to see everybody tonight. I'd like to draw, direct your attention to the book of Psalms, Psalm 91. Psalm 91. We're going to read one verse of scripture. don't want to miss Sunday service, not just because of the bake sale, but we're also going to be dedicating Pastor Aaron Mayo and Sister Whitney Mayo's son, Bennett. We'll be dedicating him, and then we're just going to have a great time worshiping God, preaching, praising, having a great time in the Holy Ghost on Sunday. So be inviting people out. Invite your neighbors out. Invite your, your co-workers there's people that are hungry everywhere, everywhere, everywhere. In Jesus' name. Psalm 91 and one verse of Scripture. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler. Surely he shall deliver thee. If you're in need of deliverance tonight, that's what God does. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler. And I want to talk to us for a few moments tonight about the snare of the fowler. And if you'll put your Bibles down and let's pray together as a congregation wanting the Word of God. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We praise you. We pray for every heart, every mind, every life. Pray for a move of the Holy Ghost. Belief in the Word. Moving of your Spirit this place tonight. And God, I pray for a mighty deliverance in this house, in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. If you will remain, don't. If you will remain awake and attentive, you may be seated. If not, you can remain standing. Some of the things that I am going to talk about tonight, my dear friend, um, I did not go to peak. In fact, I did not even listen to the message. Somebody, uh, my dear friend, Brother Nathaniel Urshan, preached a message at peak this year called The Snare of the Fowler. I have not heard that message. I do not know what exactly he all preached, but God has put this on my heart for several weeks to preach this tonight. Some of the things that I am going to talk about tonight in your hearing is part of a larger corpus um, that I'm putting together on sexual redemption. And um, we are going to be doing this, giving a presentation, making it available to this congregation uh, in the next year that we are going to try to help people 
but some of the things that I'm going to talk about tonight will be in some of that material when I talk about that then. On Sunday, we talked about flightless birds, and tonight we're going to talk about a different kind of typology and a different type of bird. This phraseology that's used in verse number one, it says, surely God shall deliver me from the snare of the fowler. This is talking about a very ancient and classically Eastern form of trapping birds. Um, it's still in the world today. Um, in ancient times, the way that they did that and is a direct explanation of this phraseology, it's almost an idiom, and it's definitely used for typology. We're going to explain that here tonight as a type. It has an application unto God's people that we need to talk about tonight. But in ancient times, um, you had people that were gatherers and hunters and um, had to catch their food if they were going to survive. They were hunters, even coexisting with the very first culture of the human race was agriculture, was the very first race. Before there was husbandry and the raising of domesticated animals, there were hunters and gatherers. And um, the reason why I know about this is because I've done this. I'm going to explain this to you here in a minute. But um, in ancient times, what they would do is they would put a food source on the ground and they would make a snare. Now, a snare is you you make a loop with a knot in it and bring the loose end around and put it through the opening of the little hole that you make in a very lightweight string. And you position that over this food source. And as some, whether it was a game bird or some other type of a fowl would come in to get this food source, it uh, would get into the snare, and the snare, the more that it struggled, the snare would close in on it, okay? Now, the reason why I know this is because I, I am an ex-falconer. I was licensed with the state of Washington. I had falcons. I had a peregrine falcon that was killed two years ago by a bald eagle, and I felt like God told me to give it up, um, and so I have given it up, but I, I made a trap. I've been doing this ever since I was 12 years old. I was had a fascination with birds, and I was a falconer at a very young age, and I've actually made these traps, and it's called, it's called a Balchardi. They're still using them today. In fact, my wife's nephew, who lives in San Diego, has an extermination uh, company and he called me up. He said, uh, "Uncle, he said, we've got, I've got a couple deals where I've got raptors, a hawk, got into a Home Depot, 
and they couldn't, people were afraid of it. It was flying around the rafters, and they said they, they're asking me to, to catch it. They called me in. The name of his company is called Critter Getters. He's doing remarkably well. Critter Getters. And I said, okay, this is what you need to do. You need to get a Balchardi. He said, what's that? I said, that is a Pakistani name for a snare trap that is specifically made for raptors. I made one myself, and in the house I lived uh, before, um, I showed them to my wife. I showed her the hawks I caught. caught about six of them in my backyard. And basically, it's, it's, you make a cage out of, out of quarter-inch wire mesh, and then you make these snares that I already described. You make them, uh, about 100 of them, and you tie them off all over this, all over this, this looks like a cage. And um, when the raptor comes down, when the hawk comes down, you put a little bird inside this cage. doesn't kill it. It's, it, it's protected because it's inside. But the hawk comes down and tries to kill the bird. And as he's walking around this cage, he gets all tangled up in these nooses and can't get loose. That is a snare. And the snare of the fowler is exactly the same thing. The very crudest, most ancient forms of this is just using one snare. But it became more sophisticated as time went on. But it's still an ancient practice that is being used today. This phrase, the snare of the fowler, is found in more than one or two places in the Word of God. Proverbs chapter 6, and verse number 5 says this, Deliver thyself as a roe from the hand of the hunter and as a bird from the hand of the fowler. Of course, fowls are birds, and they are those that trap wild birds. The hand of the fowler. And Hosea 9 and 8, the watchman of Ephraim was with my God, but the prophet is a snare of a fowler. A snare of a fowler. Psalm 124 and verse 7, our soul is escaped as a bird out of the snare of the fowlers. The snare is broken and we are escaped. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Now, as I've already mentioned, the fowler is one, he is not a hunter. He may, he may double as a hunter, but when he's doing this, he is a fowler because he is specifically catching birds that are free to fly. They're free to experience the firmament, as we talked about on Sunday. But I want to bring it down now and give it a, a spiritual application. The fowler, make no mistake about it, is none other than the devil. It is Satan himself. And he, according to the word of God, is sent to kill or he comes to kill, steal, and destroy. He seeks to ensnare the child of God so that you no longer can enjoy the heights of the firmament and you can no longer enjoy your freedom and you can no longer enjoy winging your way and praising and prayer in God's presence. 
I've already pointed out, has to have a bait. It has to have some bait there that will draw that bird into that environment so that it can become caught. And if you, uh, when you deal with raptors, they, they're very smart, and it's hard to catch them. It has to be very lifelike. It has to, it can't be just something thrown together. It has to be the real deal if you're going to bring a raptor in. For a wild bird to put his freedom on the line, it has to be real bait. This is found in James chapter number one. Brother Clark's going to help me out back there. James chapter number one. But every man is tempted, or woman, when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Now what's interesting is, is this word enticed literally means, the direct translation of this word entice means to lure by bait. There is a stimulus. There is going to be something that draws a person out of their Christianity, away from what they know, away from their experience, to trap them. But every man is tempted. This is not God tempting. This is not even the devil. I'm going to explain all this. This is not even the devil tempting you. He is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. The devil provides the enticement. But he uses your lust to draw you in. Verse 15. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Again, this word entice means to lure by bait to allure, to beguile, to entrap. And I want to say again, because I think it bears repeating, it is not the devil that is promoting your lust. That's your problem. to tell you something, if you are going to become successful, successfully living for God, if you're going to survive to go in the rapture, you are going to have to understand your limitations. You are going to have, if you really want to be saved, I don't, I, I don't mean just go through the motions and, oh yeah, yeah, I go to church and, oh yeah, yeah, I've got these little soundbite scriptures that that we hang our little religious hat on. I'm talking about really experiencing the power of the Holy Ghost in your life and becoming a child of God. 
you're going to have to be an incredible student of yourself and a student of the devil. I think this is a great place right now to just lift our hands, take a little bit of a break. Some of us tap in and stir up the gift that's within us. And get on another level tonight. This is I didn't come to just tickle your ears and give you a little Bible study. I came to minister in the Holy Ghost. Because there are millions and millions and millions and millions of people that are ensnared and bound. And they don't know how to get loose. You are going to have to become so honest with yourself. that you become a student of your weaknesses. Now, you can live in denial, and there's a lot of people do it, but that's not really biblically living. You're not really living. You are living so far an inferior. I'm not saying you're personally inferior, but you have chosen to live a vastly inferior life for what Jesus Christ has procured for us. I want to tell you, if you, get to, if you really become a Christian and quit playing your little games and really get down and become a child of God, you're going to say, why in the world did I wait so long to get a hold of myself and get real and get honest and become a child of God? Let's clap our hands and give God. I'm not here to hurt anybody. But we don't, I don't play games in this church. If you're going to come to this church, you're either going to get free or you're going to be miserable. But don't pour your misery out on everybody else. This church is in existence to bring people to a place of liberation. Hallelujah. I'm going to tell you something. If you really get honest with yourself and you get to the place if you've made up your mind that I I want to go in the rapture, I want to... I, 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 want, I want this. You are going to start taking really good notes about you. And you have to do that to get free and then stay free. Let's look at 2 Corinthians chapter number 2, Brother Barton. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us, for we are not ignoring. You know, a couple years ago I heard people say, oh man, they're just ignorant. You know, there's a difference between stupidity and ignorance. I don't like either one of those phrases. I've done stupid things. How does Satan get an advantage of us? By being totally out of touch with where you're really at. He never quits. He never gives up. I don't care how much money you got. Doesn't matter. None of that stuff. Doesn't matter if you've given yourself to lying vanities, position, education, 
no matter where you are, your position in life, you're, if you're going to be spiritually free, you're going to go to school. And you're going to learn yourself. And you're going to become honest about your weaknesses. Instead of acting like I'm not really apostolic. To be in a church like this and not really be apostolic, you are cheating yourself. Now, it's bad enough that there's millions and millions of people that are sitting in churches that think they have truth that on Judgment Day are going to be shocked out of their socks. But to sit in an apostolic church and not take advantage of the power of the blood and the power of the name and the power of the washing of regeneration and the power of the Holy Ghost is the biggest crime of all. Lest Satan should get an advantage of us. What happens is, is when people start messing up historically and they don't achieve a level of spirituality to get free, is they start to accept that. I've come as your friend tonight. I've come to inform you that you really can be free. But you're going to have to get involved with your own liberation. Satan is called the prince of the power of the air. And he sure don't want you flying around. When a true apostolic liberated person exercises their spiritual liberty, it annoys Satan. There are too many people chained to your pew and chained to a substandard level of Christianity. You're chained, you're bound, you're, you've been ensnared. And you've been ensnared by your own self. See, what Satan does is he studies us. He's got volumes on you. This is why Satan will take advantage of people that are children, that are sexually abused, mentally abused, emotionally abused. Satan looks for any wounding to the human spirit, and he moves in. Because that's an opportunity for him to control and mold and shape that life. A home, a household, a family where there's abuse and just, just sloppy communication skills and verbal abuse, mental abuse. Satan picks up on those wounds. And he attaches, I'm not saying you're possessed, he attaches himself. You are going to get a revelation tonight. I'm not going to go fast. I'm not going to yell until, unless you make me. Don't make me yell. Look at your neighbor and say, don't make him yell. You're not going to make me yell. I'm just going to talk. Because, Brother David, there's some people that aren't free, that are acting like you're free, but I've come to help you be genuinely free. You are not a second-class citizen. You're God's people. You are God's people. You're people he died for. All right. Satan watches our weaknesses. 
all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, and the pride of life. Those are his three channels. Man, I ain't, I ain't proud. I just think I'm better than everybody. Oh, dude. We need to rebaptize you and leave you under there for a while. That'll humble you big time. I don't really need this. I already got all the answers. <laughs> You're blind. That is an absolute profession and confession of your own blindness. See, pride blinds you. Pride is the great blinder. Pride is the overestimation of yourself. Shame is the underestimation of yourself. Well, I could never, God could never do that. I could never do that. And God, I, I, I could never. No, no, man, not me. And No, I don't, I don't want that. I'll just sit over here. That's pride in reverse. To be perfectly whole is to realize that God is my Savior, God is my Deliverer, God is my Source, God is my Strength, and I can do all things. So Satan watches us. He knows you had weaknesses in the world. He saw what you gave yourself to. And he saw he sees what you're doing today with it. We're not ignorant of his devices. We are the ones that give Satan what he can use against us. I have another scripture on there. 2 Corinthians chapter 11. If you'd help me out, Brother Clark. The Apostle Paul writing to the church at Corinth, he said, But I fear lest by any means as the serpent beguiled, exact same word for entice, exact same word as ensnarer. As the serpent ensnared Eve through his subtlety, so your mind should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. This thing is not complicated. What happens is if we continue to sin over and over again, we defile ourselves and we make it more complicated than it really is. And really what you're dealing with, you're dealing with your conscience, not God's. God's saying, I've already forgiven you. Bible says in 1 John chapter 3, verses 18 and 19, if my heart, if our heart condemn us, God is greater than our hearts and knoweth all things. God's just like, man, I've already forgiven you. I've already, come on, man, let's go, let's go. But the more that you do things that you know you shouldn't do, you're actually hurting yourself because you're, you're making yourself, you're, you're continuing to change your posture of receptivity. Yeah, 
I go to that church, I just don't do all that stuff. Why don't you go to the church, find a church that does the stuff that you're doing? Well, they don't do the stuff you guys do in there. Well, isn't that worth you giving up the stuff? That, see, that's, that's the trade-off. Why don't you get rid of the stuff that you know you're not supposed to do so you can enjoy the things that God has given us for you to do? No, I just enjoy watching people run around. If you truly get free, you will be a completely different person and you'll be leading the pack. Instead of you being a spectator, you'll be a leader. Well, Pastor, I just that's just not my type. No, you just need to be delivered. That's your human nature saying, ah, you know, that's just not my type. If God turns you inside out, you're going to be a new creature. You'll win everybody on the job, everybody in your family. You'll be witnessing to everybody. There'll be no stopping you. But the devil has figured out how to stop us. Is he gets us to do stuff we're not supposed to do. And he puts a little bait down there. Now, you single men just look straight ahead and act like, man, pastor, pastor, not me. I'm going to tell you, the young men in this church aren't the only ones that are struggling. There's married people in this church that are struggling. There are people under the sound of my voice that you are struggling with things that happened to you in your childhood. And what's happened is it's because you didn't know what forces were driving you. You just thought it was you, but you've been molded and shaped and directed to become involved in other things. But essentially, at the root, there was a wound somewhere. When we become ensnared, we become prisoners. Romans chapter 6, verse number 16. Brother Clark. Know ye not that to whom you yield yourselves servants to obey, his servants you are to whom you obey, whether of sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness. If your body is telling you, I want to go flip on the computer and look at porn, that is going to be your master. You are going to be a prisoner to porn. And Satan just discovered how to control you. See, this is why, I'm kind of getting off on a little tangent here, but this is why I think it's healthy to just come to church whether you feel like it or not, and say, I'm going to worship God today. It's, it's, it is, it is. Because I want the devil to know you can't control me. See, Jesus said if somebody slaps you, you turn the other cheek. There's some people, if you hit me, I'm just going to fall down. And that devil says, well, don't worry about him, man. Just hit him. He won't be getting up today. No, Jesus said somebody slap you, turn the other cheek. They ask you to go one mile, go three miles. They want your coat, give them your cloak. What is Jesus telling us? Don't let anybody control your spirit. You're the master of the house. 
The spirit of the prophet is subject to the prophet. You're in control. Your yay ought to be yay and your nay ought to be nay. Nothing on the outside is going to control what's on the inside. I feel like worshiping God because he's, I ain't got to feel nothing. Devil, you're not going to program me. You're not going to depress me. You're not going to take the praise out of my mouth. What's so great to praise about him? You're bound. You don't even understand what I'm preaching. to learn to be a very good student of yourself to know when, you know, I'm not 100% where I need to be right now. I want to tell you something. The more gross sin that God has brought you from requires you much more effort to keep your spirit right because you cannot afford. Satan has a huge file that he can start messing with you. You need to be, you need to be quick on your feet. You need to forgive people. Forgiveness is a huge deal. Bitterness opens people up to their past. Matthew chapter 18, it opens people to the tormentors. Somebody say praise the Lord. How do we come, become ensnared? By taking the bait. still addicted. Habits, compulsions, impulses. These represent what the Bible calls strongholds. The definition of the word stronghold is a fortress, an entrenched front, like a like a like a beach, like a beachhead, like a military operation against a nation. It comes in and it, and it puts down roots and it becomes entrenched. And it causes us to make sinful choices. I want to talk to you. Can I talk to you? If not, I really need to talk to you. God gave me some things here. And when God gives them to me, then it's my responsibility to give them to you. That's why the Bible says, give and it shall be given. No, that's my revelation. Go ahead and give it to somebody. God will give you another revelation. Your revelation might be somebody else's answer. In psychological and psychiatric addiction counsel, they have a word for a mechanism that is a fundamental part of people's addiction. And it's called a trigger. 
And the reason why I know this stuff is because I've had to battle some of this stuff. A trigger is an inward mechanism that can be affected by environment, people, time of day. There's a devil getting nervous right now tonight in this building. There's a devil getting nervous. I want that devil to know I got your number. And you're going to have to let go. You're going to have to loose and let go tonight. Because greater is he. See, we can go through, we can have a good old-fashioned say a certain deal out on the sign and oh yeah those are those are Pentecostal people and not one person in that building be free. You gotta you 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 gotta be on another level. You get you you've got to promote holiness for one thing because holiness is only gonna work if people are experiencing deliverance on this level. There are people under the sound of my voice who have triggers. This trigger can be set off by loneliness. It can be set off by being tired. With some people, it sets off when they get angry. It sets off when people become afraid. People that were extremely afraid as children, and they didn't know what to do with that fear, so they started to medicate through either dangerous things using their body or drugs or alcohol or sex until it became an addiction. It became a way of medicating the pain. Now, ladies and gentlemen, this is where we're going. Because the United States of America, our world is addicted. And just a little patty cake and an Acts 238, I love it all. Because I do it all. But the Holy Ghost is wanting to get so far down on the bottom and get real with you. Because he has watched the devil absolutely strip you of your liberation. Let's lift our hands and give God the praise. And I'm telling you, God has sent me to this sanctuary tonight to tell you that your liberty it's, it's right there where the spirit of the Lord is. I need to get the spirit there. And instead of the panic, instead of the fear, instead of the, the compulsion, instead of the habitually my mind going to a certain thing and it becomes dangerous, it leads me down a path in which I do self-destructive things. Anyway, these triggers... I'm going to explain it a certain way like this. It's, a, it's an inward mechanism. And I gave you basically a medical explanation of what it is. But I believe that Satan figures out where our triggers are. And in a moment of weakness, you're doing stuff that in a million years you never thought you would do. And you are now a shell of your former self. 
when we get the Holy Ghost and we continue to give ourselves to sinful behavior, pornography, lying, secretly drinking, smoking, robbing, stealing, you open gaps in your hedge. And now the enemy found out how to get you to do that stuff. If anybody else in this church knew what you were doing when nobody was looking, you'd be absolutely, utterly humiliated. But you wouldn't need to be if you would repent. It's one thing to commit fornication. It's another thing to continue to give yourself to pornography or stupid stuff. And you're allowing that same spirit. Somewhere you have to close the door and say, I'm done with that. I really do want to be free. is a fallacy. You're alive. You're aware. But you don't even try to get free anymore. You struggle a little bit every now and then, but something puts you right back in that death grip. You sit through another service and are untouched, unmoved, unliberated, unshackled. Think this is a bunch of rules and regulations because you've never experienced it for yourself on an, on a deep enough level to really experience Jesus Christ in the power of His Spirit. So it's just rules and regulations, and I got to do this and I got to do. It. You're robbing yourself. That's not what this is. That's not what this is about. I've seen people through the years, they do really good for a while. Because some, some of these triggers, it takes a long time for the tumblers to line up. And then people act absolutely 180 degrees out of character. But nobody ever knew that in the darkness at 1 o'clock in the morning that they went into a spare bedroom, they were crying their eyes out. Begging God to deliver him from this. I'm telling you that liberation is a guarantee. Salvation is a guarantee. Devil, your day is over. See, there's get people that are new converts and they come in this church and I love this church. You go back, you go back to an environment. The environment's everything. We talked about it on Sunday. See, what happens is we become bound, not here. You're not bound here. You become bound in another environment. You go to a place where there's absolutely no apostolic fellowship. There's no apostolic voice. You're not reaching out to anybody that's keeping your spear up, keeping your victory up, keeping you going in a forward momentum. And all of a sudden, old things start creeping in. 
which is why as long as I am breathing, Cornerstone is going to be a church that worships God in spirit and in truth. You want to know why? Because you may have had a real bad week. You may have even dropped the ball, but you can find your place in here. And God says, you know what? There's blood on that. There's victory here. There's renewing here. There's regeneration here. This is not a one-time thing. There's going to be many resurrections. You're going to experience Acts 2.38 every time you need it. The blood, the water, the spirit, the blood, the water, the spirit. That is the gospel that's going to get you to the rapture. Clap your hands and give God the praise. Many resurrections. thing you can do is get into a position where you're going to be on And I don't want that. And you don't want that. Let's just lift our hands and pray for a little bit right now. I don't even know how much longer I'm going to preach. I've just about said everything I want to say. I'm just carnal. I'm just fleshly. I got a bad attitude. That's not that's not you being a sinner, that's you being honest. Alcoholic synonymous with success with their 12-step program is environment and a higher power. Narcotic synonymous with success of their program is based on gathering together with a higher power. And the Alcoholics Anonymous says, you know what, I'm never really going to completely ever be healed of being an alcoholic. I just, I, I, I've been on the wagon for the last six years. Well, honey, I'm going to tell you what, in this environment, in an apostolic environment, you can be healed of alcoholism. You can be healed of homosexuality. You can be healed of a limp in your spirit. You can be healed of a wound in your heart. You can be healed of some horrible habit that you can't seem to get out of your soul. You can be healed. It's all about a higher power, and it's all about environment. Clap your hands and give God the praise. Somebody praise him right now. There's healing in the house. There's deliverance in this house. God's here to set you free. You're spending too much time alone. If you can live for God all alone in your house and not mess up, you're really living for God. 
Because I'll tell you what a lot of people do. That trigger, Satan knows how to touch that trigger. They get to feeling sorry for themselves or some deal in their life or some, some empty spot in their heart or some memory or something gets them going down that road. And once they get on that road, they're just saying, what's the use? And then they get right back to where they were. God wants to blow that up tonight. God wants to bust that in two like iron bars in his hands. God wants to liberate. God wants to kick that prison door open and give you an understanding that'll keep you out. It'll keep you free. It'll keep you in his presence. Clap your hands and give him praise. Yes, God saw the pain. Yes, God saw the abuse. Yes, God saw that. And now God's going to give you power to live all above it all. What's the answer? Every single week, the answer is given every single week in this amazing group of people. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse number 23 or 24. And the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach. Next verse. In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves when people are bound and they are bound by the fowler, you turn inward. You're actually against yourself to the point that you, you're, you're in danger of giving up hope. You're in danger of it affecting your faith. There's people that come here every week. I go over and pray for them all the time. What's the deal? What's the problem? going on here? You know what's happening? Their faith is impacted. They've lost the, the innocence of their faith because they've been imprisoned for so long. This is how you get out. You go back. You get this CD and give it to them. Give it to them. In meekness, instructing those that oppose themselves. If God might, that word peradventure is an old English word that means maybe, might, if, if God possibly will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. What Brother Mayo's preaching tonight. God, I've been waiting for this. God, you know what? God, you saw me do it last month. You've seen me do it for 15, 20 years. God, I don't know how to get out of it. I don't know how to get delivered of this. God, I've been waiting for this message. I accept this truth. Go to the next verse. And that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him at his will. Brother Mayo is not going to get you free. An evangelist is not going to get you free. Brother Marx is not going to get you free. You being honest with what's being preached, you say, my God, that's me. My God, that's what I've been waiting on. God, I see the light. God, I hear the prison doors open. God, I hear you coming for me. And you say, God, give me repentance. Let me acknowledge my sin. And God says, back off, devil. Back off, darkness. Back off, bondage. Back off, prison. Back off. And you recover your sin. Clap your hands. Stand to your feet, clap your hands, and give him praise. Week after week after week. Everybody do something right now. Pray, worship. Pastor, I'm struggling with a sexual addiction. 
it's got me afraid that I'm going to end up jeopardizing. You know you're addicted when you're in just about willing to jeopardize everything you got for about 15 minutes. But see, that's where sin wants to take you. It'll take you farther than you ever signed on for. You'll stay there longer than you ever thought. And you'll go farther down than you ever thought possible. God might let you repent. It is the goodness of God. You see, how does forgiveness and repentance differ? I'm almost done. Forgiveness is immediate. God, I did this, I messed up. He's, he's just. And he cleanses us from all unrighteousness. First John chapter number 1. But repentance, Brother David, the definition of repentance is change. And change is not afforded to us just whenever we want it and whenever we deem it and whenever we get around to it and whenever we make up my mind. The Bible tells me in the book of Romans chapter 4, it's the goodness of God that leads thee to repentance. God, I see. I see exactly. I've got these strongholds. I've got these triggers. And I'm doing things totally out of character. I'm doing things I don't really even want to do. I'm against those things. But I can't seem to stop them. I, can't, I don't seem to have any power over it. I can't seem to win that battle. God, grant you repentance to the acknowledging of your true condition. And you get yourself out of the snare of the devil. And then you get your wings back. Let's lift our hands and give him praise. I've obeyed God. I'm done. Well, I need to find a counselor, pastor, because I'm addicted. God's got your answer tonight. I, I need to find out why I'm not a good parent. I'm not a good husband. I'm not a good wife. I don't know what's going on. Your answer's right here tonight. I can't seem to quit watching certain things online no matter how hard I end up going back to it. Your answer's here tonight. I'm having a problem with my sexuality. I don't know what I am anymore. And the, the devil's telling me I'm not going to make it. Your answer's here tonight. Let's lift our hands and give him praise. God bless you. Second Timothy two twenty six to the acknowledging of the truth. Too much denial. I'm done. This altar's open. God bless you all. I love you.